Welcome to the Rising Hole podcast. I'm your host, Prim Ormanovich. Rising Hole is all about getting out of diet culture and back in your body. Learn to listen to your body so you can live your most powerful life. Hi friends, Prim here. Today I talk with Morgan Sinclair of Morgan Sinclair Designs. She is an eating disorder dietitian and a web designer. And she makes it work, even though those things sound super bizarre to me. (laughs) But they're amazing. She does a great job of it. And today we talk about, wow, we talk about a lot. We talk about how she got into being a dietitian. And we talk about how she melded the eating disorder dietitian work and her love for graphic design and web design. We talk about her living abroad. And we talk about living an intuitive life. And how sometimes you feel crazy when you know you have to do something and yet you do it anyway. So that's my talk with Morgan. And thank you for coming here and listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. If you like it, refer it to a friend and go to iTunes, leave a rating and review. As always, sign up for our newsletter on the website at risinghole.com. The show notes for this episode will be at risinghole.com backslash Morgan Sinclair. And reach out to me if you need anything at all. Okay. I think I said all the things I'm supposed to say. And this is a weird intro. And it's perfect. Okay, let's go hear from Morgan. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I am so good, Erica. How are you? I'm tired, but I'm really good. And I'm so glad that you are here with me today to chat. Um, So let's just go ahead and jump right in and tell our listeners who you are and how you got into the work you do and what you do and all the things you do, because I know you do so much. Um, And so just like really dive in and give us as much as you want. Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited to be to be chatting with you. Um, so I am a registered dietitian, first and foremost. I work in the eating disorder space. I All of this started uh, when I went to Texas A&M for my undergrad in nutrition. Um, never was interested in working in the eating disorder space. Honestly, was a little scared because I had never struggled with an eating disorder. And so the idea of that I was capable of, of walking along someone's path who was and um, felt really scary to me. Didn't get any eating disorder education while I was in college, um, but I had a semester off between my bachelor's and my master's and needed a job. And so I moved back to Houston um, and through a connection with a friend, got a job working for a medical practice that specializes in eating disorders. And the physician assistant uh, is also a dietitian, and she, um, I was like, this is just, this is great. Like, she is a dietitian too. She knows, like, what I want to do, and started working there, and it totally rocked my world. I absolutely fell in love with working with with her patients, with getting to connect with therapists and dietitians and psychiatrists and doctors and PAs and nurses and, and anyone who makes up a treatment team. And, and there's just such an incredible community here in Houston. Um, so worked for her for a little bit, went back to get my master's. My master's was actually in business, had nothing to do with 
<laughs> with being a dietitian. And I, I really love working with eating disorders. Never really thought I would after that though. I was like, Oh, I'm going to school for business. Like I want to go do marketing for a food company. Um, and so did my master's in business. I was like, well, I might as well just like, you know, get my RD, do my internship. I've gone through all the school. I might as well just get the credentials with it. So I did that and, and kind of in the midst of that year and a half gap of, of masters and my internship, I just had this intense feeling inside of me that I was meant to live abroad. And so I actually ended up moving to Italy for a little bit. Um, in the midst of all of that as well, I had started a design studio during my master's. I really fell in love with marketing and branding. Um, I had built my own website when I was in college, really knew I loved doing that. And so just kind of this accumulation of things brought me to Italy. Uh, it just so happened that a girl I had met right before I moved there, who was a dietitian in Houston also, um, we had like went out for dinner and I was like, hey, well, I'm actually like moving to Italy. Like you seem super fun. Like if you ever want to come visit me. And then, and the next few days she booked a plane ticket. And so met her. And so when I got back from Italy, uh, she was she basically had helped me set up a job, um, with a treatment center here in Houston. And I jumped right into work about two months after I got back from Italy and, uh, worked as a dietitian for about a year. And then, uh, last summer actually transitioned to a like marketing and outreach role for that treatment center. I'm getting to use my, my business degree a little bit more. And then that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm up to as well as running my design studio on the side, as well as a couple other hats. <laughs> that is amazing. And I just want to say, like I, when I came across your work, I thought it was so fascinating and brilliant how well, you have cohesively woven together these seemingly extremely un, like uncoordinated like professions so well. Like I feel like you do it so well, and it's clearly like exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's just like I'm just in awe of it. Like your website and all your design stuff and eating disorder work. It's just it's crazy. Like I would never have thought that that would work. And yet it seems to work so well. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. I pinch myself. I, it, I just, I feel like everything, like you said, just kind of like came together, got pieced together. And, and I reflect back and I'm like, it is crazy how each step kind of just fell into, not fell into my lap, obviously like worked hard, but each, each, like the next step, um, just, it was, it was good timing. It was, it was mm -hmm. the right time. And, and, uh, I love what I do so much. And so I'm so thankful that, that, you know, everything lined up to get me to where I am now. Yeah. And something I've been very present to lately, which I'm, this will probably come out after I've launched my rebrand, but I'm in the middle of rebranding the, the podcast and everything. So, um, but I've been really present to the fact that, we live our, we live our lives really based on these moment to moment instincts and it's our intuition or your connection to God or however it is that you relate to it. But it's, it's present in every single person I've ever talked to and asked about their story and what work they do and all of it. It's, there's always at least one instance of like, I don't know, I just had this, this feeling that I should go live in Italy abroad. Like, you know, it's yeah. like that same thing. And when we can really like, be clear on listening to that and, and, and 
working from that really and living our lives from that, it, it, it is just incredible to me to like really be conscious now in a different lens of like how that sets people up to live their most meaningful, truest, like one special life, like as cheesy and like trite as that sounds, it's so true because it just one step after another and it feels like coincidence. It feels like great timing, but it's really like divine. It's so much more than that. And it just blows me away. Every time I talk to someone and they're like, oh, it's kind of funny how this thing happened. And then I'm just like, no, you were listening to your body and you were listening to your heart. (laughs) Yeah. I will say it definitely, I feel like I've always had a pretty good, you know, I feel like I could trust my gut, but I will say working in the eating disorder space and working with therapists every day and like learning the work that they do, I feel like has allowed me to be even more trusting of these like senses that I get these kind of like God moments of, of, you know, this is totally on my heart and, and I have trusted it enough in it and it hasn't led me astray yet. So we're just going to keep, keep trusting it. Yes. And it's so interesting for me and still semi new probably within the last year because for having, I have like struggled with eating disorder in the past and you kind of are tricked into thinking, and I'm sure you can relate to this from your work, but, um, into thinking that you can't trust your body, that your, your mind knows better and that your, um, your thoughts are more clear and you get confused about what voices to listen to and it's just a lot of noise and you have to get really clear with yourself and taking care of yourself. I think it really starts with that, um, to be able to even decipher like what is really your intuition and your body and your heart telling you to do. Um, because it will often be like the most scary, ridiculous sounding thing, but it's really the right thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say (laughs) there was, if there was one takeaway from my, my stay in Italy, um, I was pushed so far outside of my comfort zone. And like, that's, that was such a defining moment of like, that's what I had to do to grow. Like I, I'm an extroverted person. I love doing things with other people. I moved to a country where I didn't speak the language. I only knew one person there. Uh, and I, had to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and, you know, doing things by myself, taking myself on, you know, I took myself on like a date to the opera and solo hiking and just things that I had never done before because I, you know, grew up with people that that would want to go do things with me. And so uh, whenever you're forced to do things by yourself, sometimes you definitely start to, to lean into your own intuition a little bit more than getting validation from your friends and family. So that definitely was a defining moment. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point too. I was, I think even just today, I was asking my husband about a picture that my photographer friend sent me. She's helping me work on my website. And I was like, well, what do you think about this as far as like the colors and stuff? He was like, why are you asking me? It's, (laughs) it's your thing. He was like, you already know the answer. And I was like, you're right. Thanks. (laughs) I think think we often, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like I personally often find myself in this, um, trap is not the word, but in this routine of like, gauging my intuition based on other people's answers. And it used to drive my husband crazy because I would already know deep down what I wanted. Like, even if it's like what restaurant we want to go to and I'm waiting Mm -hmm. for him to say the opposite thing. So it confirms what I already know. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, that is definitely, I relate to a hundred percent with that. That's something that I am constantly challenging myself to do is, is just continue to get even more curious about like what my, what my body's telling me to do and what my, what my gut's telling me to do. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting how even in the small, the small, like everyday decisions, um, you can kind of flex that muscle and it becomes so much easier to tap into at any moment. And I really believe that our bodies are constantly communicating to us and constantly telling us whether we're in a situation that aligns with our values and our safety and all of that. And, um, just like flexing that muscle throughout the day and listening to it, it just gets easier and easier and so much more clear so that when you have that possibly ridiculous sounding voice, tell you that you should move across the country, um, Mm -hmm. or move across the world. (laughs) to another country where you know nothing and no one, um, you, you trust it because like you said, like it had never let you down before and like, you're just going to keep going with it. And I think that's like so incredible. And so what I'm trying to bring more of out into the world, because I think, especially as my experience as a woman, we're just taught to look for the answers outside of ourselves. And, and, in diet culture, especially, and anyone that's struggled with disordered eating or eating disorders, it's like, your body is wrong. You don't know how to feed yourself. You don't know what you're doing. So you definitely don't know how to live your life. So ask everyone else what they think, because you're, you're going to be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, definitely struggled with, with diet culture growing up and, and into college uh, and, and you're right. And, and that's some of the, my favorite work that I get to do with clients is like determining hunger and fullness cues. Cause whenever you are dieting or engaging in eating sort of behaviors for so long, like those are typically some of the first to go. Um, cause you're constantly overriding those signals. And like, that's such a powerful moment of, you know, even just like, maybe you've never, you haven't felt hungry for a meal in, you know, months. And all of a sudden one morning you wake up and your stomach rumbles and you're like, Oh my God, like my body's telling me what it needs. And just getting to really listen to start, start listening to what our body's trying to tell us is such a powerful moment. And just some of my favorite work that one, I went through with myself. I, whenever I have like hunger and fullness cues, I like, you know, we'll talk to my stomach and be like, I know, I know you're rumbling. You're getting upset. I'm going to find food. I promise. Um, <laughs> Which sounds silly. I love that. It's just, you know, part of the work that you do as a dietitian. Um, and then even like beyond that, like getting to, getting to like figure out what you're craving and being able to honor those cravings as well. Um, I probably shouldn't have a favorite principle of intuitive eating, but if I did, it would be principle six, which is the satisfaction factor. Um, mm. and really getting to getting to like, you know, like, yes, you're hungry, but then getting to even dive more into like, what sounds good, like something sweet, something salty, something hot, something cold, something soft, something crunchy, like getting to go through that, uh, yeah. mindset too, is just, it's so fun. It's so fun to be able to like really figure out what our bodies are, are trying to tell us. Totally. And it's whenever you said that I was thinking of like when I was a kid and I actually grew up with a pretty like uh, quote unquote normal relationship to food, something that falls in similar to like Ellen Satter's, um, definition, I would feel, mm-hmm. or I would say, and, um, like my mom was very like hands off, like not hands off, but kind of just like not controlling, not micromanaging, let us eat whatever yeah. we wanted. 
And I remember the first time I went to a friend's house and there was like ice cream, like those bluebell, like ice cream bars in the freezer. And we were just swimming and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon after school. And I just wanted one. She was like, oh no, after we eat dinner. And I was like, what? Like that, <laughs> that was not my culture. Um, but my mom always says like, what do you have a taste for? Like growing up, like if we wanted to go out to eat or something, it's like, what do you have a taste for? And that was like a big, and still to this day, that's kind of like, she doesn't really like plan meals. Like when we were kids, it was kind of like we stocked the kitchen and then it was like, well, what do you guys have a taste for? Or like, what do you, where do you want to go out to dinner? Like, what do you have a taste for? And, um, I just, I do think it's interesting that like she was never taught intuitive eating. And so that's like, it just confirms to me that it's so biologically the way we are meant to eat. Yep. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that phrase. That's such a fun phrase. I'm going to start using that now. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. It's, it's my, it came straight out of my mom from the day I was born. Like that's what Yay. I've always heard. What do you have a taste for? And it really is such a broad question that it's like, huh? Like, I don't know. Like, and then you start thinking like, like you were saying more like, Oh, something savory or sweet or crunchy or like kind of want tortillas or, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy that part of intuitive eating too, because it also makes like, since everything, like, let's assume that you're past the point of like all foods, you know, all foods are okay. And all foods fit kind of thing. It opens up to like, cool creations that you wouldn't, <laughs> that you wouldn't have thought of that end up being like really good. Like I made salmon tacos the other day with mango pico de gallo, just from mm. all these random cravings I was having. And they were amazing. Like it was not a recipe. I just made it up in my head and like brought it together. to life. Yeah. yeah. And it was so have good. Ever, have you ever watched the Netflix docuseries, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? Yes. I watched the first, oh, she's so amazing. I watched the first two, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I just finished watching that the series again. And I just, every time I watch it, I get so inspired of like, I don't really cook. Uh, my mom cooked for us growing up. So why I don't know how to cook. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, but every time that I watch, uh, salt, fat, acid, heat, I am like, Oh my God, I could totally do this. I totally want to like get creative in the kitchen. Um, and then I remember that I live in a very tiny studio apartment and like, I don't even know if I have a counter space in my kitchen to like roll out pasta dough or pizza dough. It's very tight. And so definitely some limiting, limiting factors there, but, uh, yes, but getting, to, I feel like having that knowledge, um, and just that curiosity around food is leads to some, some pretty cool things, especially in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you when you mentioned Italy, from your experience, like living there and then living here, like, do you see diet culture like present there? Like, what is their food? Like, I mean, I feel like I have a broad understanding of what their food culture is like, and that is that their culture is food. Um, but like, have you, did you like see any similar, um, yeah, just like similar diet culture, or any manifestation of that over there? Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Food is, food is their culture. Um, they definitely have some of the best food in the whole wide world, in my opinion. I, yeah, I agree. honestly, not, not too much. Um, there were definitely a few comments that I heard granted. Also, I don't speak Italian, so there could have been conversations <laughs> happening around me that I didn't know about. Um, but everything is just, you know, more relaxed. 
Um, I would say the biggest difference that I noticed was like body confidence in teenagers. I, uh, there's one moment that stands out in particular. I just finished a hike. I ended up in a city where not even a city, it was like a beach in two buildings where the only way you could get back to a main city was by hiking back or by waiting for a boat to come pick you up. Um, and so I, Oh, it was so cool. I, I just finished the hike. Um, I was just sitting on the beach waiting for the boat to come and a group of, they must've been high schoolers, um, had just finished the same hike as well. And like the next thing, you know, all of them are just like running around, having a time stripping down to their underwear, like not a care in the world. And I just, I'm like, if this, if I would have gone to the beach with like my high school friends, like that never would have happened. One, the adults probably wouldn't have allowed us to do that. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely some, some relaxation there, but everyone was just like, couldn't give a care in the world about what their body looked like. They were like being kids and playing in the ocean and like tossing her, I think they might've had a ball of some sort. I don't know. They were, they were playing with something, a hacky sack or, or something like that. And I was like, this is so cool. Like wow. I, it just made, it made my heart hurt that like we weren't raised in a early, I wasn't raised in a culture like that. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, you never know what someone's struggling with, but from the outside looking in, it was a, it was just like a very like freeing, let's be kids kind of moment. It was so cool. Yeah, that is super interesting. And the first thing I think of is that like when I was in high school, completely preoccupied with my body. I mean, when I think of these Italian teenagers, I just think of how much presence they must have had and how much more enjoyment they had in their like current, like obviously we don't know all the details, but <laughs> just yeah. from like you said, the outside looking in, um, I, I feel like you can't be in a moment like that unless you're like really fully present. Mm -hmm. and you can't be really fully present and enjoying your life if you're consumed by your body or your body thoughts or food thoughts or things like that. It just steals so much of our time and life and energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it was cool. I, I love the idea of being able to incorporate like cultural foods into healing people's relationships with foods, healing relationships with foods. I feel like there's there's so much that can be learned whenever you, you know, not only just learn about the food, but learn about the culture that it comes from um, and the ability yeah. to, to really relate to different cultures. Yeah. That's so interesting. I've never thought of it that way. And I was actually raised like, um, at like, I call it my dad, like good old boy, American Italian. Like, uh, my maiden name is Grasso, which, that, which means fat in Italian, like actual mm-hmm. like fat, like you would like, you know, cook with. Yeah. Um, and so we had like spaghetti once a week and our Christmases were always like baked ziti and homemade lasagna. And, um, like I was born in New York and all my cousins and my grandma lives up there. And so I think that was also part of why the like food growing up was not a big deal. It was like, eat what you want, eat as much as you want. Everyone sits down at the table at the same time and we eat dinner together. And that was definitely helpful to me when I was in a place of like needing to find my way back to a normal eating. Like I had more groundwork to work with when so many people that are dealing with disordered eating or eating disorders now, or, you know, even in the future, um, like 
they, they might not have that. It might be because diet culture has been so much more pervasive in, you know, the American food culture of mm-hmm. what, you know, your parents are eating and, and how your meals look like or what the food talk is like and all of that. And so I definitely, I was just interested in how, you know, your perception as an American and experiencing American diet culture, you know, in a different country where in my perception, it's probably like food is so important in a way to connect and um, to savor, but also it doesn't consume every waking thought of theirs. And it, it has like its beautiful purpose and place. And then like, it, it lives there. It's, it, it's not this like anxious thing that they're like constantly worrying about, like getting right. It's just like another language for them almost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You nailed it on the head. That was, that was my experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I feel like even through watching, um, fat, salt, acid, heat, you kind of get a glimpse of that in the cultures that she visits. It's like, they're not tied up in diet culture in the same way that we are. And they're, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And it makes me sad, (laughs) but it also is like, it's also very reassuring that like those cultures are still existing and like that type of food culture is still existing. And so maybe there is hope for the overall American culture to shift as well. Um, And I think I'm just thinking about this so much because I just started devouring, like there's no other word, um, Christy Harrison's Mm anti-diet and, um, oh my God, I could just like gab about that all day. It's so good. So freaking good. She's like, so poi. I'm listening to it on audible. Um, and so, and I used to listen to her podcast like incessantly. So I like hearing her voice again. Um, but she just sounds so like kind and poised and confident and she's so well researched and like she knows all her shit. And it's just so interesting to like hear all the like back history of diet culture. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I already was woke to how pervasive it is in current day. Um, you know, in the, the wellness diet, as she calls it and the wellness world and all of that. But I, I just didn't, I don't think I realized like the deep roots of it and then also how corrupt it is in America specifically. Um, so I've just been kind of thinking about all of that. So when you said you went to Italy, I was like, oh, I bet it's not like that over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and hopefully, fingers crossed it stays that way. Hopefully there's not too much of an influence that, you know, now with social media and everyone being able to yeah. be connected, I, I, I don't know if worry is the right word. It doesn't keep me up at night, but um, yeah. it definitely is interesting. We'll, we'll see how, how it, if it changes over the next few years. Fingers crossed it doesn't. I, I love the like wholesomeness of Italy and their, yeah. their attachment to food. <laughs> um, I had another question I wanted to ask you. Oh, so your undergrad was in dietetics, right? Yes. And you didn't, but at that point you didn't want to work with eat or you, you, not that you didn't want to, but you didn't know you wanted to work with eating disorders and like, you didn't have any kind of like connection to that world or realm and it just wasn't really on your radar. Correct. Yeah. I, um, honestly had never really thought of it as a career. Um, I was never exposed to eating disorder treatment. I, so I actually worked for the athletic department for five years and did sports nutrition. Um, so I always thought I would end up 
doing sports nutrition. Uh, and yeah, and it was truly, it, and even with that, I, I picked up a minor in business towards the end of my undergrad. Cause I was like, I just don't know if being a dietitian is like what I'm meant to do. So, and like my, both my parents are CPAs. My brother has his MBA. Like I was kind of the black sheep of the family getting a degree in science. <laughs> Um, not really. My parents were very supportive of my decision, but like looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, like my whole family is invested in business and here I am wanting to go into healthcare. Um, Renegade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, maybe I'll go do marketing for a food company. And that idea, I just feel so silly. And I'm feel like such a millennial when I say this, but like my decision to get my master's in business actually stemmed from a dietitian on Instagram who did marketing for a food company. And I was like, sold. That's what I want to do with my life. I'm getting my master's in business. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually going to ask you like where you got the yeah. idea of like specifically wanting to do marketing for a food company. That's so funny. Yep. Through Instagram. Uh, love Instagram. I... <laughs> I love the I love the connections that you can make. It can clearly impact someone's life. Um, yeah, there was a, a dietitian. Um, I think her name was Abigail Kinnear. I could be saying that wrong, um, but she was the dietitian at Siggy's, and she basically, if I understood what she posted on social media, right, I'm pretty sure she just traveled around the U.S. and got to connect with other dietitians and you know market Siggy's and talk about Siggy's yogurt. And I was like, that is so freaking cool. I love talking with people. I love, uh, food and getting to nerd out around food. And so it just seemed like that would have been a really fun career path. And so that is what definitely encouraged me to get my master's in business, uh, on, on top of feeling that like being a clinical dietitian was not my calling in life. So trying to get creative and, and figure out what I wanted to do instead. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And when you were saying, I love this and I love that, I was thinking like, I love that yogurt. <laughs> yes, I know. It's so good. I love yogurt. It's so creamy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like that segues really well into like really specifically what you do now, which is help, you know, other, um, practitioners and people that work in weight inclusive or health at every size, um, realms to create websites, right? Yes. Yes. So I so tell me more about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my design studio that I have is called Morgan Sinclair designs. Um, it actually started back in 2017, I believe I dabbled a little bit when I was in college um, but like officially started taking clients in 2017 and it started out of just, I had found, I'd run across a, I think it was a Facebook group or an Instagram called the bucket list bombshells, <laughs> which their yeah. name talks me up. It's these, it's these two girls who quit their corporate job and, uh, they both, they didn't know each other, but they both ended up moving to Mexico to, be able to like run their own, I think one was graphic design and one was virtual assistant studios. And they met in Mexico by like the fate, fate of God, basically must have it. Wow. And they built this like empire teaching millennial women how to work from anywhere in the world and like run an online business. And I was like, well, that's freaking cool. And so got totally invested in that. I had 
designed a e-portfolio when I was in undergrad, uh, which is basically like a digital version of a resume and like fell in love with it. I loved building websites. It turned into such like a hobby for me. And so whenever I ran across this group, I was like, oh, I can make money doing this. Like, that's really cool. And so the first few years or the first, well, first like year and a half, I would say, I really didn't know like who I wanted to work with. I just knew I wanted to like build websites. And so a lot of it was just kind of word of mouth, friends of friends. I, my studio was called Levanto Design Co, uh, named after an Italian city that I actually did a nutrition focused study abroad in. I was very inspired by the, the landscape of it, the colors, the slow pace, and really just loved that and use it as my inspiration to build my brands. But then whenever I went with two of my friends to Mexico City back in November of 2018, I was a few months into working as an eating disorder dietitian. And me and my two friends were just chatting about what we wanted out of life. And, and granted, these two friends are like, really badass woman. One is actually a resort photographer uh, in the Maldives. And then the other one like quit her job and traveled around the world for three months. Um, just like really cool people. So whenever I say dreaming of what we wanted to do, like the sky's the limit with these gals. Um, but for we were sure. <laughs> chatting and, and talking about, you know, what we wanted out of life. And I just, I knew that I needed to find my people to work with in my design studio. And I, and it just, it just hit me. I was like, oh my God, Morgan, like you, you're an eating disorder dietitian. You work with eating disorder clinicians all the time. You align with their philosophy. You can talk the talk. Uh, they're not, they're not going to have to explain what they do to a web designer. Like you are the girl for this job. Like you love working with this population. Like, why don't you just keep doing that? And so that was kind of, that was the start of, of transitioning my whole business to work with eating disorder professionals, weight inclusive business owners. Um, I also like to, to, my tagline is people who celebrate food. Cause I really enjoy working mm. with like bakeries and coffee shops and vineyards and places like that as well, where there's like this sense of community around food. Um, and ever since then I have been doing branding and web design for my people and it's been awesome. That is incredible. And also you got the food marketing piece after all. <laughs> I know. Crazy how life comes full circle, right? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. I think like when I when I discovered that um that is what you do. And I and I was introduced to your work through Kylie Mitchell, our mutual friend. And I interviewed her for my podcast in like 2017. Um and so we've been like mom friends ever since then. And so when I wanted to pick the podcast back up, she instantly recommended you and Emily. And so I've talked about her a lot lately, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, when I found your like website, I was like, wow, that's so incredible that she like helps market and branding specifically for like health at every size dietitians and eating disorder dietitians and, you know, mm. weight inclusive practitioners, because I like, even when I did my first website for my podcast, like kind of what's out there now for my current, um, brand for lack of a better word. It's just, it's so, it can be very tricky to try to do something countercultural with the tools of 
the world that is, you know, the status quo, which is diet culture. And like, so it can, it can turn out to be like, um, even well intended around like a lot of, um, a lot of like bodies or, you know, like it's just, and it would be hard to explain to someone, like you said, that's not familiar with like the values of the movement, what you're trying to be up to or what you're trying to present or what you're trying to, um, you know, speak to in these people. And so the fact that you know both worlds, it's like really just perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's this power of finding your ideal client, your ideal person that you want to work with. And, and, you know, going back, circling back to the beginning of our conversation of just like that intuition and that gut, like there's, there's going to be certain people that each business owner enjoys working with and mm-hmm. really, you know, sets their soul on fire whenever they're able to work with those certain people. And so being able to, to recognize that and, and build a business around, you know, marketing towards those people and getting to, to work alongside those people is just, there's so much power in that. Yeah. And I, I feel like even just as a, a lay person in all of this, I've just, understood that like the more specificity you can grasp around your like ideal market, mm-hmm. um, the, the better, like the, the more niche or like the more you can get clear about what your niche is, at least it's so helpful to, um, to brand because from my like point of view, like before it's like the broader, the better. So everyone can come in, but it's like, no, actually that's not really how it works is like, not just because it's very broad. Doesn't mean everyone's going to feel inclined to, you know, click on your stuff. And yeah. so I think that you, you, you definitely master the specificity of like <laughs> marketing and web design and also, you know, health at every size and weight inclusive practitioners. It's just like, incredible. And also that like that even exists as something that has a demand, but like really everything does like the whole, you build it and they will come thing. Like it's so true. It's yeah, it's so true. It's, um, it's been just, I'm like at a loss for words and how amazing (laughs) it's been to be able to, to be able to work with, like continue working with this community and in a whole different setting. Um, I definitely, whenever you were talking about like, you know, marketing to the, to the right people and finding your niche, like I'm over here, like shaking my head. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's so true. Like I, I, I always um, tell my clients or one of the first things I always do with my clients is we figure out like who their ideal customer is. Uh, and what I tell them is like, you know, build out this one person, like think of, think of clients that you've worked with in the past or customers you've had in the past that you just loved working with. Uh, it doesn't have to be all rainbows and butterflies. They can have some struggles too, but just being able to map out what that person looks like. And then knowing that when you create marketing materials and write copy for social media and your website and email marketing and all of the things like honing in on that one person, that that's who you're trying to attract. Like you're going to get their circle of influence as well. Like there's going to be people who relate to your ideal customer in some form or fashion that are also going to be attracted to what you do. That way you don't, you know, pigeon, pigeonhole yourself into only working into getting like too specific. Um, but being able to to work with people that you enjoy with, because I mean, life is, life is too short to, to be doing something that you don't, you don't fully love. Totally. And I think this, this whole pandemic thing has definitely taught 
me that more, probably all of us more than <laughs> I thought was possible, but, um, just like getting really clear on, you know, what I use my energy on and where I put my energy and time and what I want my life to look like, because, you know, here we are here, it's happening and it looks very different than I thought it would. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've given up on trying to predict where I'm going to be in like two years from now. Cause I'm like, things are going to change so much as I just continue to, to listen to what I want to do and, and continuing to, to chase that and turn some of my dreams into realities, hopefully in the next few years, even more so. Yeah. And you know, I think that's so interesting that you say that because I also lately have been telling everyone like when they're like, Oh, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm pandemic. I'm like, you know, I'm in full surrender mode over here. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like all the plans I had for 2020, like all of us are just out the window. So what is the point in struggling against that and being in a mode of resistance and despair when there's nothing I can do to change it? And the truth is that life has always been equally uncertain and will continue to be so. It is just, we're in a different experience of it. And so I think it's actually been even better for my practice of like following my intuition because you just, you know, you just do the next right thing and you feel it moment to moment and day by day. And like, you will end up where you're supposed to be. And it doesn't, you know, it's so clear, even in the realm of this like pandemic, like that's not really stopping people. Like mm -hmm. the innovation of humankind is just like incredible. Like, you know, you and I are talking on zoom and I'm still putting out this podcast and people are still listening to it. People are still going to my Instagram, my website and your website. And I'm doing a yoga teacher training online. Like the world isn't actually stopping at all. It is just transferring and moving in a different direction. And so if we can surrender this, like idea that we have control over any of it, yeah. then we, we actually get so much freedom, so much freedom mm -hmm. to live like the real life that we're supposed to be living. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I, it's, it's crazy whenever you surrender, you know, what happens, um, and getting to have a sense of, of creativity. I will say, you know, I'm an extroverted person, not to, not to talk about quarantine too much because I feel like that's all I've been talking about, but I am an extroverted person and, and, you know, miss being around people, but overall, like this whole staying at home thing and getting to like start my mornings really slow and not feel rushed and, um, getting to like sit outside and enjoy my coffee and just, it's like forced me and I'm sure a lot of people to like slow down a little bit. And um, mm -hmm. I feel like has just been, been so good for my creativity. And, and, you know, there's definitely still days and that I'm not motivated to do anything and that's just life and just going to take it as it comes. But getting to, I mean, I, my, for some reason, my go-to during all of this has been to either join or host book clubs. Um, and let me tell you, I, I am not like a reader. Like I've never been a reader. I, last year I read four books in the whole year and that was probably the most that I've read in quite some time. So why I thought I would be able to read like four books in six weeks, I have no clue what I was doing, but um, I feel like that has really kind of brought me back too, and, and just finding new ways to be creative and, and new ways to, um, really kind of slow down and be able to, to, do some inner work, I would say, mm -hmm. and, and be curious about 
where I want, you know, at least these next few months, of the, the things that I can control where I want them to, to start pointing towards. Yeah, I think it really has revealed our values to us in a different way. Like it's just got, for me at least, it's, I've gotten really clear as to like, um, you know, when everything was kind of taken away, it's like the rug gets pulled out from under you and like you have control to like bring certain things back in. Like, what are those things going to be? And like, you know, for us with my kids, it's been like a morning walk every day outside. And like, now I can't imagine our lives without that. And three months ago, that was not happening. Like that did not feel like in the realm of possibility or did I give a shit about that? Like, it was just like, let's have breakfast and I'm going to go take a yoga class and then I'm going to go meet a friend for lunch. And it's just, we have so much less areas of things for like, and not that they're inherently bad things, but they're just things that can be easily distracting from just being present with ourselves and our values and like mm-hmm. our bodies and our, our true needs and what nourish our ourselves and our lives. And so we have less of that, like, um, you know, that, that easy button to just, you know, slip out and ignore what's really going on and, you know, get, go on to go do something else and get in the car and go somewhere and, all these things that we took for granted that like now we're really forced to sit with like, okay, like, you know, what, what am I really wanting to create here in my life and mm-hmm. otherwise? Yeah, totally. I can relate to you on the, I have incorporated so many walks into my life and it honestly brings me back to like I, the most creative brain space that I feel like I've ever been in was when I was in Italy and like that might've just been the fact that like, I literally had nothing to do all day. And so I had to be, I had to like, you know, figure out how to be creative, but it also credited it to walking, like being like not mm-hmm. having a car, not, I didn't live super close to a train station. Um, and so having to, having to walk everywhere with like music on or a podcast on and just giving myself that space to allow my brain to wander, um, uh, has been, I feel like I'm now kind of re-implementing that now of, well, I can't go out and, you know, wander through Target, so I might as well go for a walk <laughs> in the neighborhood. And I've started noticing some of those same things coming back of, of just giving my brain the space to, to not think about my to-do list and, or anything like that and just uh, seeing what comes of it, <laughs> seeing what creative yeah. ideas my brain, can, my brain can come up with. Not being able to go to Target has been really good for my mental health. Like, (laughs) I don't think I realized how much of like, and don't get me wrong. I love Target, but that's, that's kind of the problem is that like, it was so easy for me to be like, okay, kids, let's go to Target. Let's go to Marshall's. Let's go to Michael's and buy art supplies. I don't need like, oh my God. Like that was definitely one of my, um, like, I don't even know if it was a coping mechanism, but just something that I got in the habit of doing that was like fun and enjoyable, but like also didn't necessarily bring as much value as like I thought it was bringing. And now having to like really sit and put things in perspective, I realized too, like how little time it actually takes to get like the stuff done that has to get done, Mm -hmm. done. And how much else is like really there for me to prioritize and create when the amount of time I have in the day is exactly the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, though I will say, not being able to go to Target has transitioned to Amazon Prime. Oh, online shopping, yeah. Um, that's I true. 
I feel like I get a package every day and I'm like, I know this is from Amazon, but I have no clue what I got. Honestly, I feel like it's been really good for my mental health though, because it's like, I get a present every day and I get to like open up this package and have no clue what I bought like two days prior. Uh, It's been been very fun. Uh, Actually, that happened to me last night. I got a package and I opened it up and it's, I ordered a paint by number. And so before we jump, oh, fun. I don't remember the last time I like have done a paint by number, probably when I was a kid. And so I just cranked that open and it is way more intense than I, than I thought it would be. It's not like the ones that you get when you're like in elementary school. It was, it's very, I think I could do the elementary school ones and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am not regretting my choice, but feeling like I should have started a little bit smaller than the one that I got. But hey, you know, we're just, it's it's mindless and, and that's so funny. Some new skills. I actually have a friend in my yoga teacher training who said that she has a gift closet and she has this closet full of things that she's like bought through the years. Like at like, you know, um, not flea markets. What is the name? You know, like trade shows or like that, that Heights morning market thing they do like stuff like that, you know, like cute little mugs and bags Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so when she's like sad or needing something, she goes in her gift closet and I was like, or to give a gift to someone else. And I'm like, man, that that's amazing. Like, I would love to have a gift closet. That's just genius. I, I have a gift like basket, but definitely not a closet. I, <laughs> I'm thinking I, I need something a little bit bigger. That sounds amazing. <laughs> just one day buy random stuff on Amazon, forget about it, put it in a closet. And then one day you're like feeling like you need something or need to give something to someone and you yep. have a closet. <laughs> there you go. That is genius. I know. When she told me that, I was like, oh my God, I think we all need a gift closet. And the thing is that like, it was a, it was a mug with a quote that like said something on it that she was like thinking or like stuck on or working through. She's like, wait, I think I've seen that before. And she dug through her gift closet and found a mug that said, you have the power. And, um, (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, very anecdotal, but I just, it made me think of how much I want a gift closet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so is there anything else you want to any other work you want to mention or any other things that you want to share with my listeners or um ways to find you and and i'll link to everything in the show notes as well yeah i mean um i guess probably the the other hat that i wear i always say i have my hand in a lot of different cookie jars if you're familiar with the enneagram i i think i mentioned i'm an enneagram seven um i like to like to be preoccupied with, with lots of things in my life in a healthy way, of course. Um, definitely. I'm an eight and a seven. Seven okay. is my runner up. Yep. Yeah. I, so I'm a seven wing eight. So yes, I, we're probably pretty similar. Um, but I definitely have my hand in quite a few cookie jars. I, I know you mentioned Kyla earlier, her and I run our soft and strong market, which oh yes. um, is one of my favorite passion projects that I have going on right now. Um, so Kylie and I know each other from college. We always kind of had this like desire to do something together, like create a business together, but we didn't ever want it to like impact our friendship. Like we don't want to have to like rely on income from a company. Um, and so when both right. of us you know, had full-time jobs and, uh, and were, were stable in that sense, we were like, let's like, let's start something. And so uh, about trying to think it's been maybe a year and a half ago, we started um, the Soft and Strong Market, which is a online shop 
with several different products. Uh, and, and it's just to serve as a reminder that you can eat and be in your body with ease. Um, and just a constant reminder that, you know, you can be, your body can be soft. Um, you can be, a, you know, mentally soft, like kind, but still possess the strength, both physically and mentally. Um, and so I would say that's just worth noting that little cookie jar that my hand is in. Yeah. I love that. I love the eaten. Wait, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> God, technology. Okay. Um, I love what you said about the eat and be in your body with ease. I love that so much because I also relate to that with yoga because we constantly talk about, not constantly, but we talk about the, the idea of, um, of ease and, um, what is the other word that they use? But basically like, yeah, like power and ease or like strength and ease and like pushing yourself a little bit and being recognizing your own strength and capability Mm -hmm. and feeling empowered in yourself, but also like giving yourself grace and like being soft and kind to yourself. And it's this ebb and flow and this like human back and forth dance that we're in and like all areas of our life. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love that. And I love the products that you guys have put out and, um, I can't wait to see more of it. Yeah, we're excited. We, we just finished up our, our spring launch. And so our brains have now shifted to prepping stuff for, for fall. <laughs> um, How cool. Yeah. I saw her Instagram of like all the things that she painted and she has like two super little kids. And I'm like, you are freaking like super woman. I can't even like write in my journal around my kids. Like, how are you getting this done? Yeah, she, she is awesome. I'm so thankful to have her in my life. She, I, just to speak phrases of her a little more, she's actually the one who introduced me to intuitive eating for the very first time. Um, so I will always yeah, be I was thankful. Gonna ask you. I will always be thankful for her for that. Um, we were at a, uh, I think it was a new year's party that her family was hosting or a Christmas party that her family was hosting. Um, and I just remember her being like, Hey, like I actually just learned about this thing called intuitive eating. Like you should check it out. And like ever since then, I feel like my world has been rocked. <laughs> it's one of those things when you, when you learn about it, you can't really unlearn it. So yes. Very, very oh my God. <laughs> I think every dietitian I've had a conversation with lately has said the same thing about intuitive eating. It's like, once you know, like you can't go back under the veil, you know, it's just like once you're, and once you're ready to receive it, it's just like, because it makes so much sense. It just like, you know, washes over you and you, you can't turn back. It's like, you can't, now that you know better, you got to do better. Like, it's just, it's undeniable. Yep. And it, it's amazing. I was going to, when you talked about intuitive eating, I was going to be like, cause I'm always interested in dietitians like nowadays, I don't know, nowadays, it's not like I'm 80, but like in the current day, <laughs> like when dietitians are introduced to intuitive eating, I'm always curious about like when or where or how, because I know that, you know, it hasn't always, even in the past 10 years, probably not always been a part of the curriculum. And so, um, or in something that you're introduced to in, uh, your training. And so I'm always interested to see like how, um, it gets introduced to different dietitians because I definitely think, and I'm not a dietitian or studied dietetics at all, but, um, just from, you know, being a lay person of intuitive eating, I think that it makes that it should be like a main point of, um, you know, your education as a dietitian, like it just, just makes so much sense. 
I couldn't agree more. I, <laughs> I hope that happens. And I, and I think a lot of I think a lot of universities are are starting to catch on to it. You know, I graduated in 2015, so not you know not too long ago, and it was not a part of our curriculum at all, unfortunately. Um, fingers crossed that changes. I I have a good relationship with a lot of my professors, and um, all of them know about it, and and I've talked with them about it, and as I'm sure many other of their graduates have as well. And so, fingers crossed, it starts to be incorporated more into into curriculum. I definitely think it's it's so important for up and coming dietitians to know, and it and it sucks that you have to find out about it through social media or or another dietitian, and not what you're getting your degree for. But yeah, another tangent I could go on. Yeah, that's it's also like so bureaucratic, and so yeah, yeah. you know, academia is a whole different thing to penetrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good that there's so many renegade dietitians willing to, you know, go, you know, break off the the regular path and um, take on intuitive eating. And yeah, I will say even just as someone that's talked to so many dietitians over the years, like when I started my podcast in 2017, Kylie was the only one I really knew of in Houston. Um, and I remember when I found her, I was like, whoa, like someone else in my city that like is a, that is a dietitian that practices this. And like, I thought that yeah. was it was, so it wasn't like, it's, it's just grown so much in the past, like three, four years. Like it's mm-hmm. all, it's already grown so much. And so that gives me a lot of hope that it's just going to continue growing. And I recommend it to everyone. Even at, like, I think probably when it like just off the cuff, I'll be like, <laughs> have you read intuitive eating? Cause <laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I think it should be like a, a manual for humankind. I don't know. Oh, um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Intuitive eating and then like how to do your taxes. <laughs> Two important Oh my god. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Wouldn't that wouldn't we have like such a different culture like or generation after us if they started teaching that in high school? Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I, we're working on it. There's some dietitians out there who love working with high schoolers and college age students. So I, I truly believe it'll, it'll come around. Uh, hopefully yeah. in a few years. <laughs> well, Morgan, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And, um, yeah, I just loved our conversation so much and I can't wait to share it. And I'm so excited to see where the rest of your work goes and all your hands and all your cookie jars. And, um, <laughs> I'm just really excited. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was so fun chatting. Thanks. And we'll keep in touch and talk again soon, maybe. Yeah, I would love that. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's our show. Thanks to our guest and thank you for listening. And you'll hear from me soon. Until then, follow me on Instagram at risingholeprim. And of course, sign up for our newsletter on the website at risingholt.com for a free guided meditation and lots of other resources there to help you live an intuitive life. Thanks. I love you guys. Bye.